You're listening to the Top of the Mountain Podcast with Jimmy Pilato and Rev Coca, presented by the Variety Sports Network and D2Football.com, your home for RMAC football content. Now, to your hosts, Jimmy Pilato and Rev Coca. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite, the number one home for our Mac football content, Top of the Mountain podcast here on the Variety Sports Network. My name is Jimmy Pilato. I am joined, as was always, with my co-host, Rev Coca. We are ready to talk, discuss the last week of RMAC football, the week that is coming up. We have a couple games that we're going to point out to you. We do have a new, tried and true, number one team overall in the RMAC and uh, it is somebody that none of us would have expected. So there's a lot that we will get into. Like I mentioned up at the top of the show, we are presented by the Variety Sports Network. If you are listening to this show, please follow Variety Sports Network wherever you're listening. Subscribe to that YouTube channel. Excuse me. And uh, also be sure to subscribe to the Far End of the Bench YouTube channel where you can find this show in the video form every Friday, um, as well as my other show, Far End of the Bench uh, follow at FEOTB pod, everything to do with this show. And you can follow Rev at Rev Coca. Rev, how was uh, the last weekend of college football? And so far, i uh, been treating you now that we're getting ready to start another Friday and, and get into another weekend of college football. Um, definitely just a dramatic week, just full of just, you know, closely contested games with the exception of maybe if maybe shattering getting whipped up on our minds and then the CSU Fort Lewis game, which was, not much to talk about, but besides that, very dramatic football games. Of course, the overtime showdown with Western and Colorado Mesa, and then the Battle of South Dakota, which really the games we highlighted last week, which turned out to be the best game. So, you know, it was a bit of a bit of a drama show in the RMAC. Definitely some speculation and questioning as to whether or not Black Hill State will keep that spot. But regardless, you now let's just see how far it goes. I'm excited to watch. It is fun just to have a new team up in the mix, and it, they've done this, like I said, a couple of years ago where they started off the season 7-0, and so it's not quite the best start that they've had since they've been in the RMAC, but it's it's been a hell of a start so far. Before we talk about those games, before we get into it, we are presented by, we have a new sponsor for the Variety Sports Network. If you go to SeatGeek, download the SeatGeek app and use promo code VSN, you'll get $20 off your first purchase on the app. So go download SeatGeek. If you don't have it downloaded already, use promo code VSN. You'll get $20 off your first purchase, uh, whatever concert or uh, sporting event. Now that NFL season's going, uh, preseason hockey, preseason basketball is all happening. Get uh, get some good seats. Use your promo code VSN. Help out the Variety Sports Network and get $20 off your first purchase. Um, let's start. I want to start with the Black Hills Brawl, the Black Hills State and South Dakota Mines game, Rev. I'm, I'm sure you were like me. Actually, I, I, before we get into that, I, we should should have been doing this all season, but let's talk about the players of the week because uh, two of the players of the week came out of the same game. But this week's player of the week for week six in the RMAC, Colorado School of Mines, John Matoka, Western Colorado's Tim Mullen and Victory David. Victory David had the longest kickoff return in Western Colorado history, 105 yards. And uh, Tim Mullen had... <clears throat> Just a, a whale of a game on defense. Obviously, John Matoka helped lead the Colorado School of Mines or Diggers to a, yet another 40-point uh, total in their games. They're just putting up points like it's nobody's business. Those three guys had big, big weekends, two of them coming out of Western Colorado. Th- Rev, think back to where we were 
sitting there as as you were a redshirt sophomore, I was a redshirt freshman, and I think we won one game on that season. Did you ever imagine that at some point there would be two players from Western Colorado taking home uh, Player of the Week honors? Well, as anemic as our team was on both sides of the ball, just looking back on the hindsight, it's kind of hard to find those moments where we didn't have a whole lot of elongated success in games. So it's kind of hard to look at that, you know, where you have the entire RMAC of 10, 11 teams to look at. Well, why would you spend your time looking at the team that's winning two games, one game every year that's struggling to even get a functional offense out there. The defense is on the field 70% of the time, just kind of getting grinded out. Very hard, but definitely good to see in this situation. Some new coaching brings a whole new culture, a whole new environment, and brings out a very competitive team where maybe in those years from before, if we're in a close game like that, it kind of felt like deja vu week after week where just letting a game slip right by us. But to see... Uh, Western now pull those games off to see players getting player of the week recognition is just you know it's great to see most definitely and I think too uh, that was the main theme of the weekend is that the, the games we highlighted uh, especially the game that we're going to get into as we're, we're recapping last week's game of the week the Black Hills brawl between Black Hills State and South Dakota Mines it's teams that don't normally get a lot of attention and it, it's cool that the fact that we pointed them out they were able to uh Deliver. So South Dakota Mines versus Black Hills State. Black Hills was on the road for this one. South Dakota Mines opened up this game and had a lead going into the second quarter thanks to a 15-yard touchdown pass. Johansson get it, getting the hard records on the board. Black Hills answered with uh, 10 points in the second quarter to tie it. And then in the in the third quarter, took the lead and never gave it up again. Scored 14 points, ended up winning the game 24-17. Uh, Black Hills, not a big offensive showcase, I would say. Chance Eben only throws for 139 yards, uh, highest uh, leading rusher for the Yellow Jackets, 64 yards total. Johansson put up another big day, 350 yards uh, through the air. <clears throat> as I'm looking through it here, uh, the one negative that you would take away from this as a, a South Dakota School of Mines hard rocker and what would probably was probably going to hurt them, what hurt them when they watched film was those two interceptions that their, their quarterback, Jaden Johansson, gave up. It wasn't a great day for him passing other than the yardage total, two touchdowns, but he got sacked a couple times, threw a couple interceptions, and a team in Black Hills that had a barely any kind of offensive production was able to uh, get a win over you and now take full possession of, of number one in the RMAC, 3-0 and in the conference and 5-0 and on the season. So, Rev, what's your kind of takeaway from what you're able to gather from this box score and, and some of the, the stats? Well, it was really a game that Black Hills State just kind of just let South Dakota Mines lose by themselves with their turnovers. And you look at the yard count, you look at how successful South Dakota Mines have been passing the ball, not just in this game, but really all season. Like, I think they're in the top 10, like, nationally when it comes to pass, passing touchdowns, passing yards, and just picking up yards on the air. And you, you see that in the box score, but ultimately those costly mistakes and Looking at Black Hole State and their undefeated record this year, one of the biggest pieces is just them being opportunists on the defensive end, getting interceptions, getting turnovers. I believe through the first five games of the season, they have 12, they have 12 takeaways. So ultimately, they're just allowing the other team to make mistakes and capitalizing off of it. That's kind of what I see, just a very opportunistic defense. 
That it makes sense because the Yellow Jackets had 66 plays of of offense for a total of 243 yards. South Dakota Mines had 93 plays on offense for 447. Yet you still see the seven point differential. You still see a lack of ability of South Dakota Mines to really take advantage, and the big mistakes hurt them at at bad times. It was an awesome atmosphere. I'm sure I turned it on for a quick second. It was bad. Unfortunately, all the, these games took place at the same time. So we're about to get into talking about Western Colorado and uh, Colorado Mesa getting their double overtime thriller. About 5,000 people showed up to that South Dakota Mines Stadium out there in Rapid City, O'Hara Stadium. You and I have both played there a couple of times. It's uh, not a bad venue, honestly. The only bad part about those trips down to South Dakota or up to South Dakota was just the fact that it's 10 hours in a bus and it's just not comfortable no matter how you slice it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Plus the time that it takes up to stop some Wyoming. I mean, from time to time, as I got older through the program, I kind of got used to the used to the traveling. But definitely those trips to South Dakota were it was definitely a grind. Maybe, you know, maybe it's cool to get those tourism spots site with those sites going to Mount Rushmore, things like that. But definitely a grueling drive, but decent environment there in South Dakota, in which I bet it's gonna be a lot livelier just when it comes to just how successful their teams have been this year. Yeah, so this week we mentioned uh, Black Hill State versus New Mexico Highlands. They're going to go to Las Vegas, New Mexico, so they got a long trip out there. We'll get into that game a little bit later on, and then South Dakota Mines will be taking on Western Colorado. So uh, both those, all three of those teams will continue being in the game of the week for this upcoming week, but they're big games that are coming up, so we'll, we'll talk about both of those teams' uh, upcoming matchups here, but that's where they're going next on the schedule. Which leads us to what was one of my favorite games that I watched all weekend, no matter the level of, of football. And I was <clears throat> I was at the uh, seventh grade game that one of my one of the teams of the kids in my class was playing at. I had my phone up watching the CSU Pueblo game while I was sitting there, and then I got home and turned on Western Colorado versus Colorado Mesa. So I watched a lot of college football, and this one was a tight one and it started off not that way. I, I think the way that I was was sending it out there, I texted uh, you, I texted Garrett, I texted Tim. I was like, Western Colorado is beating the dog crap out of Colorado Mesa right now. And they were, I mean, early, early on, Connor Desch looked like he was going to repeat his uh, player of the week performance. Um, Davon Butler, Josh Cummings were, were getting things going on the ground. They're able to score 14 quick points um, and able to, they kind of kept a 14 point lead up until the, you know, the end of the half when, Colorado Mesa was able to cut it down in itself, but early on, I, I don't know if it could have gotten much better for how Western Colorado was able to get that thing going. I mean, Josh Cummings gets a, a six-yard touchdown run, and Connor Desch, off of a turnover, gets a 30-yard touchdown pass. Um, so seven minutes or shoot, five minutes into the game, you're you're already up 14 nothing. Yeah, it's definitely critical just going up ahead, especially in the early part of early parts of the game, just kind of sending out that early statement. That's what Western did. Yeah, you don't necessarily like the scare later on in the second half, just kind of leaving that back door open for Mason to get back into the game. But just to see the way that Western's offense was able to click on all cylinders early, they were able to control the ball, control the clock, especially in that first half. And they forced, they forced Mason's offense to make a lot of mistakes. We saw interceptions from Tim Mullen, the RMAC Defensive Player of the Week, and Darius Gaines, and just being opportunist from that from that side and from that perspective. But it, things got a little ugly, but that's that kind of 
happens with rivalry games where no matter what the record is, you expect the rivalry game to be a little ugly. So ultimately, you can nitpick and say that they allowed Mesa back into the game, but ultimately, a win's a win, and rivalries are always hard-fought games. A win's a win, and this makes it three in a row for the Western Colorado side. That's two in a row in Grand Junction at Stalker Stadium, and uh, obviously they won last year when Colorado Mesa went up to Gunnison. Uh, Victory David, I did want to mention him. He does now hold the record for longest kickoff return for a touchdown at 105 yards officially. That was that was what they needed. That was the biggest difference that I think I noticed. In, in years past and with the years that we were up there, there would be the momentum swing that Colorado Mesa scores, and they do it fairly easily on a drive that they extend a couple third downs. You're like, man, they're, they're about to come back and they're about to take the lead. You never normally got a big play back then in those days where you, when you needed it. At that point, Victory David, a receiver transfer, I believe, from a JUCO out in California, gets back there, takes a kick, decides, I'm not going to take the easy touchback. Uh, why set the offense up with 75 yards to go and I can just run all the way to the end zone and nobody's going to catch me. So that was one of the best special team plays that I can remember from a Western Colorado team in, in probably the six or seven years going back to when I was getting first recruited by them. It was unreal the way that he was able to burst through that hole and, and at a time where they really needed it in that game. Yeah, it was definitely a time that they needed it because it was kind of during that moment where Mesa was starting to gain the momentum back. Who knows? Who knows that that doesn't happen? Mesa maybe just squeaks out a second half comeback victory. But having those having those plays during the time, especially when the momentum is kind of going away from you, but to get things back into balance, to let the other team know that you're still in the game and you're still fighting, and just also just it came from out of nowhere. It's a big play when you're least expecting it, but playmakers make big plays when your team needs it the most. And that kick return was an example of that. Have you realized how much, I mean, Colorado Mesa pretty much statistically dominated this game. If you just take the score out of it, it <clears throat> 235 yards total rushing to Western's 210. Passing-wise, 336 yards to Western's 145. Total, 563 to 346. They ran 101 plays to Western 70. They punted less than Western Colorado did. Statistically, this was, other than, here's the big statistic where they really, really lost it, was the penalties. Eight penalties, 81 yards of total penalty yardage. That was where Western Colorado was able to kind of push themselves forward. But the announcers, it was tough having to listen and sit through the Colorado Mesa broadcast. I'm sorry if you're a Colorado Mesa fan, but just as a Western guy, a guy hoping that Western was going to win, I was so sick and tired of hearing about how much the Colorado Mesa Mavericks were outplaying the Mountaineers, yet Western found a way to win in a game that they normally wouldn't. That's what it keeps returning to. And a whole bunch of big performances Everybody stepped up. Carson Mandrell, a uh, guy that you and I both played with, is starting to step up and show himself as, as a true top linebacker in the conference, I would say. And uh, the receiving core is, is on fire right now. I know that the, the yardage numbers weren't big, but there was a couple times where they're making huge catches. Cole Readers comes to mind. Cole Readers had the uh, big conversion on the fake punt um, in that game as well. The issue that I saw with the defense was just how easily Colorado Mesa was able to run on them. And it, and it hadn't been the case early on. I'm, they held out 
really good running backs. They held down really good running backs at CSU Pueblo and Texas Premier Basin. Then all of a sudden they come out here and Colorado Mesa looks like the, the Army Academy with the way that they were able to run the ball. I, I, I Did that worry you at all, Rev, the way that the defense kind of was soft against the run this week? A little bit. There's a moment of, there's a bit of concern there, but it kind of felt a lot like the Black Hill State South Dakota Mines game where it's one team is marching and moving along the offensive side of the ball. However, that same team is making very big critical mistakes, like you mentioned before with the penalties, but also throwing two interceptions in this game where turnovers are going to flip the game around on his head when you throw two interceptions. Usually speaking, I don't have the numbers, but usually speaking, the team that throws two interceptions is a team that loses the game because who knows, you could put the other team in short position where they don't have to gain a lot of yards to score the touchdown. It flips the entire game on its head. And ultimately, as much as the announcers and commentators want to say that Mesa was a better, more talented team, if you don't execute on the smaller details, if you don't play smart, disciplined football and you commit stupid penalties, that's what's going to happen. You're going to leave that door open. You're on mute right now, Jimmy. There we go. I The way that it ended and the way that things went into double overtime, the fact that they had to match in the first overtime, get the field goal. Fonseca was, was money on all of his attempts in this game. Got the match and then able to score, put the pressure on Colorado Mesa, and then get the stop, too. It was really encouraging towards the end of the game. And like we've been saying about everything that we've been talking about for this game, Western Colorado made the big plays in the big moments when they needed to. And that's why they were able to walk away with the 42 34 win in double overtime. Uh, so that was last week. Before we get into this week, wanted to mention once again, we are also brought to you by Row One Brand at the Cool Stub on Twitter. Go to rowonebrand.com. You get 15% off anything in the art gallery when you use code VSP15. VSP15, proud sponsor of the Variety Sports Network and this podcast, Top of the Mountain with Jimmy Plato and Rev Coca. Uh, this week's games of the week, Black Hills State, New Mexico Highlands. Let's just go in chronological order here. That's going to be in Las Vegas. It'll be on the RMAC Network at 12 p.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time, so 12 p.m. Mountain Time. And uh, the Yellow Jackets going on the long road trip out to New Mexico. Highlands is coming into the game. We got to get their record pulled up here. Bad bad radio once again. I'll, I'll get better at this and I'll figure it out at some point. But the uh, New Mexico Highlands Cowboys coming into this game, two and two on the season, coming off of a win, 23-21 at Adams last week in Alamosa. So now they are gaining a little bit of momentum. They're hosting Black Hills on this Saturday. Rev, what are you expecting out of these two teams, Black Hills? Is this going to be a chance for them to maybe show that they are who we who they who we don't think they are, or are they going to show the show up with the old Black Hills State and New Mexico Highlands is going to get a, a sneaky win that's going to maybe elevate them up in the standings a little bit? What do you think is going to happen here? See, I wouldn't be surprised here. I might I might be calling the upset here with New Mexico Highlands pulling off the win here. When you look at the box score, you just look at it. They still have the receiver, C.J. Simpson, last year, who had over 1,000 receiving yards. But they're picking up a lot of their yards to the ground, just over 200 rushing yards per game. And when you have that style and a formula where if you get ahead early and you just rely on your running game, it's going to keep the other team off the field. It's going to chew up the clock. 
is going to keep Eben off the field and unable to really uh, unable to really get as much time as he needs to get his rhythm going on the offensive side. And I think New Mexico Highlands has that formula, just kind of ground and pound, keep, keep the ball, control the clock, and just be able to wind out a victory in that way. They should be able to. I mean, if you think about it, the way that Highlands normally recruits their kids, they should have the size advantage. And when you have that dominant of a running game, you can kind of lean on the other team, get the clock to run a little bit. Black Hills, we we know they want to try and throw the ball. They weren't able to do it very successfully last week against South Dakota Mines. New Mexico Highlands is going to have the athletic advantage. It's just, I'm going to call it what it is. Black Hills State is a, a tough, they're more of a hard-nosed type program to where they're not going to necessarily blow you away with their athletes on the outside, but they they play disciplined and they do the right things. Like we've seen, they could be 5-0, and leading the conference, all of that stuff. So it's not taking away from Black Hills or anything that they've done so far this season, but New Mexico Highlands is going to have the speed advantage. They're going to have the athleticism advantage. If they get out to a lead, Black Hills State is going to struggle to try and come back. So for that reason... Um, I think I'm also leaning towards the Mexico Highlands. I don't know if it's even necessarily an upset. I know that they don't normally make lines for Division II college football games, but I would think that this one is probably even or maybe going to New Mexico Highlands just because it's at home for them and nobody really trusts Black Hill State, and it's a long, long trip for them everywhere they go in the conference. So for that reason, I'm picking New Mexico Highlands. Uh, you're picking the, the Cowboys as well in that one, Rev. Yep, I'm picking them as well. I just think, yeah, like I said, that running attack and on the Black Hill State side, like you said, a bit of a more technically sound team. They're, you don't really see, like, any physical advantages that they have that they can really just push on anyone in the conference and just kind of just mash them out that way. But they're pretty solid everywhere, and their defense loves it. They love to cause turnovers. They have a lot of interceptions, and – Usually it's that they take advantage of short field position and they're just a more disciplined team. They make less mistakes and they, they make less mistakes and they com they commit, they cause a lot of turnovers. But I think in this situation with New Mexico Highlands with their formula where they could just keep the ball, control the clock, run the ball downfield. I just think they, they'll be able to control time as long as they're not making any huge errors to pull off the victory. It wouldn't have been an upset heading into the season, but just record-wise, seeing how Black Hills are doing right now, just it, it looks a little different at the moment. But, yeah, maybe is isn't quite the upset, like you said. Well, uh, two, New Mexico Highlands are 2-1 and one in the conference. If they get a win here, they technically tie for that top spot, um, well, for the second spot with Black Hills. And now, depending on how South Dakota Mines and Western Colorado goes, um, with the Hard Rockers as well. So New Mexico Highlands is still in the conversation for, for a conference championship just because they're at a 2-1 and one record right now in the conference. I'm not predicting that. I'm just pointing out the facts. So we're both on New Mexico Highlands to pick up a win at home in Las Vegas. Then we're going back to the soccer pitch. And uh, the South Dakota Mines Hard Rockers are going down to play Western Colorado at Gunnison at 1 o'clock p.m. on the soccer field. They won the last time, and they put up a pretty good show against uh, Shadron. Uh, that was a big win. South Dakota Mines obviously going to be a little bit deflated. But this could be – I mean, they could look at this as maybe an attempt to bounce back. They, they couldn't prove themselves and beat Black Hills, even though they outgained them and pretty much outplayed them, had more of the, the statistical advantage. 
Do you think that there's a chance South Dakota Mines is using Western Colorado as a chance to maybe write themselves and prove some of those points wrong? Like, yes, we are for real. We can compete with some of the, the better teams that are in this conference or have proven to be the better teams in this conference. Yeah, I think they're going to come in confident, energetic, looking to make a statement. They're going to look at the film from that Mesa game and see, hey, they have some, some success moving the ball downfield with their passing game. Why can't we? We're a top 10 passing office in the, in the whole nation. Why can't we have that success? And I think they're really going to try to isolate mismatches and weaknesses in the secondary and try to get that passing game going. And it's going to be a hard-fought game, but – I like how Western's fighting. They kind of have a bend, don't break mentality where they got a little bit of a balance going on offense where nothing is overwhelming you on the stat sheet, but Connor Dash is making good throws when he needs to. He's hitting an overtime, you no know, passes to Kai Emsley, game winners when they need to. He's delivering deep strikes and 30 yard touchdowns when he needs to, even though the stat sheet isn't necessarily overwhelming you in any big area outside of. Maybe the maybe what the defense has been doing, like with Carson Mandrell and Darius Gaines and Tim Mullen and the crew over there. And I just think that Ben don't break style of play is gonna get them in a game and where they're playing a dangerous team in South Dakota Mines, but they're gonna make less mistakes. And I think that's gonna be the key to this victory. I agree with you. I think the defense is probably going to be able to get a couple turnovers. Uh, my big key for this one is on offense. It's get the diesel engine ro rolling. When Josh Cummings finally figured out his footing, that was when the Mountaineers were able to kind of move the ball the way that they wanted to. Obviously, they have the thunder and lightning combination with Davon Butler. Davon had a touchdown in that game last week as well. And Connor can run a little bit. I know that they were saying that he's not a mobile quarterback or he's not the mobile quarterback. He can run. They do have that designed into the offense. They've shown it before, and if if he gets back on at least somewhat of a track like he was the last couple of weeks, you know, Connor never really has to throw for 300-plus yards, but if he gets 225, has a solid completion percentage, and doesn't turn the ball over, Western normally has a pretty good chance of winning that game, and I think he knows that if he just manages himself manages the turnovers, not making any of the big mistakes. The defense is going to be able to take advantage of an aggressive South Dakota Mines Hard Rockers defense or offense, I think as much confidence as they're going to have, and they have beaten Western Colorado and Gunnison before we were a part of that team. So it's not saying that it's a done deal. Western Colorado should be able to walk out of this one with a pretty impressive victory and push themselves even that much further into the conference title picture. Um, and I'm sure that you're in agreement with that. I, I assume you're picking Western to win that one. You're not going against the, the hometown boys. Yeah, I'm picking Western here. I think they got what it takes to pull out this victory. That one, I mean, that two-headed monster with Josh Cummings and Davon Butler is going to be crucial because setting up that run and getting a run game established in the game, of course, sets up big play action, big pass opportunities. And I think using that philosophy of using a run to set up the pass and make things easier for Connor Dash, where the threat of Josh Cummings is going to get seven people in the box, eight people in the box worried about the run. And mm. after the success in the run game has had, wait, all of a sudden, here's a deep 40-yard pass downfield to Kai Emsley, where I think that formula is going to be enough. South Dakota Mines are going to put up points too on the other end, but few mistakes is going to get them out of this game. I think Weston pulls it off at home. I agree with you. We're all, we're all on the same page there. The other games happening this week, we'll, we'll run them down here and then we'll get into a conversation about the standings, let you know where everybody is 
at currently before we send you off into the rest of your Friday and onto this RMAC football weekend. Colorado Mesa, Colorado School of Mines will be kicking off at 12 p.m. in Golden. Uh, that'll also be on the RMAC network, I believe, on Channel 2 as well if you live in uh, the local Denver kind of Golden-ish area. Uh, Black Hills going to New Mexico Highlands. That game kicks off at noon as well. Shadron going to Fort Lewis for their for their week, the their bye week, active bye week. I'm sorry, Fort Lewis, but you just gave up 84 and 75 points in the first three games that you played this season. So I really don't care if you uh, are mad at me. Shadron is going to play Fort Lewis. That game kicks off at noon. CSU Pueblo is going to Alamosa. They're kicking off at one o'clock. And South Dakota Mines versus Western Colorado also kicking off at one o'clock in Gunnison. All of these available on the RMAC network. Uh, be sure to follow our, the RMAC uh, conference at RMAC underscore sports on all their social medias. We had Zach Chavez, assistant RMAC commissioner on a couple of weeks ago for an interview. So go back, check that episode out. Be sure to uh, check out the, the rest of the sports going on. He talked a little bit about it. There's uh, plenty of national championship contention in all sports across the uh, entire spectrum from the RMAC. So it's not just football. Uh, wrestling's getting ready to get going. Cross country and track um, has been going strong. So getting into now the standings for the conference, we want to mention this, the standings brought to you by In The Clutch Sports. Go to InTheClutchSports.com, use code Variety Sports, and you get 10% off your whole order. Also be sure to check out the merch store for Variety Sports Network at Bonfire.com slash store slash Variety dash sports dash network. You can get uh, any of the Variety Sports Network, any VSN merch that you can think of there, also including the Return to the Jungles and the Rider Die shirts. So now, the RMAC football standings heading into week six of the season. Black Hills, we mentioned it a couple of times, outright number one, 3-0 in the conference, 5-0 and on the season, uh, undefeated year, in a year that nobody expected it from them. Colorado School of Mines, number two, tied with Western Colorado, both 3-2 and overall, 3-0 and in the conference when those two teams meet that one's going to be a hell of a matchup it's going to be in the in the soccer field as well so let's just uh, end it there the top three teams all undefeated in the conference obviously colorado mines and western colorado had a little bit more difficult start to their season than black hills so rev what do you think of the top three so far is it a good representation of of the top teams that you would expect or just that you've seen so far in the conference yeah from the perspective of mines and western that's Definitely what you could expect just based off of how successful they were last year. And then now Black Hill State has now just put themselves in a mix. Definitely good to see a bit of a bit of mix up. So where it's not the same Pueblo West, or not the same Pueblo in minds as always. But it's time for the questions to be answered about Black Hills because the second half of the schedule, like what you were alluding to just now, it's going to get a lot harder. They're really going to be tested, whereas as a front-loaded schedule for Colorado School of Mines, it's going to be a very back-loaded one for Black Hills. And let's just see, you know, who ends up on top. And, of course, you can't count Western out either. Yeah, I don't think that neither, neither of us would allow that to happen on this show. Uh, next two in the standing, South Dakota Mines and New Mexico Highlands, both 2-1 in the conference. South Dakota Mines is 3-2 on the season. New Mexico Highlands didn't have a game in the first week, so they are 2-2. Two both ahead of CSU Pueblo and Colorado Mesa, which I think would be a little bit surprising if you looked at the preseason rankings. Um, but 
that seems like the world is starting to come back to, to normal with South Dakota mines and New Mexico Highlands. They'll probably beat all the other middle of the road, maybe considered bad teams in the conference, but I still don't think they're going to go on any kind of a run and wouldn't give them a shot. I know they technically record-wise have a shot at the conference, but I'm not saying that they're even really going to be in contention by you know week seven or eight. I think they're going to be out of it by that point. As for my thoughts, kind of in that middle section of the RMAC standings, I kind of like just New Mexico Highlands and South Dakota Mines just being those very dangerous offensive teams where if you let your guard down, they might just have a quarter where they put up, put on three touchdowns out of nowhere with the rushing heavy attack of New Mexico Highlands or the passing heavy attack of South Dakota Mines. Mm-hmm. As for Pueblo and Mesa, I don't know if at this point I could give them the benefit of the doubt anymore where you're kind of saying, well, it's Pueblo, they'll figure, they'll figure it out. Or, well, it's Mesa, they'll figure it out. There's definitely a feeling where with Pueblo, they may still have a very physically talented roster, but just mentally, they don't seem to be that same team. They don't seem to be that same discipline experience team as they used to be. And mm-hmm. Mesa, they can move the ball. Their quarterback's not horrible. Karst, I believe yeah, Karst, I believe. Karst Hunter, was. yeah. I used to think it was Hunter. I thought it was Hunter Karst for an entire year, but now I've seen it, and they were saying, yes, Karst is his first name, Karst Hunter. Yeah, right. Like, they have good He's been at, By the way, he's been at that school for, like, 13 years. Right. Yeah, like, they have good pieces to make themselves a hard team to beat, but I don't know if I could give them the benefit of the doubt just saying they have a complete roster that they can hold it together um, to – beat most of the arm like they're going to get themselves into some very hard fought games so i don't know if i could give pueblo and mesa benefit of the doubt just saying well they'll figure it out i agree and and i think that we're going to see that this weekend i think that csu pueblo is in for a little bit more of a dog fight in alamosa than than maybe they're anticipating uh, so after new mexico highland csu pueblo at one and two in the conference two and three overall adams one and two in the conference one and four on the season and then the bottom three, Mesa, Shadron, Fort Lewis, all winless in the conference. Shadron and Fort Lewis yet to find their first victory of the season. Colorado Mesa is sitting at one and three with their one win coming over an NAIA school. So the bottom of the conference still looking to get themselves out of the starting blocks. But I would say up towards the top, at least with Western Colorado, I guess at this point, uh, Black Hill State, Colorado Mines, those are going to be the teams that you're looking for conference conference pushes i will say there's only like one maybe two teams that i would even trust in the getting the playoff spot that you you would get winning the conference so i don't know if it this is going to be the year where we get an armac team going all the way to the semis but so far we are starting to figure out who are the teams that are going to be able to to take that next step forward and actually do something uh productive with their season so <clears throat> any final thoughts on the week ref um, I'm just going to piggyback a little bit off of what you were just saying there. I think it's going to be one of those years where I don't know if there's going to be a big playoff run, but I would like to see one of these teams just kind of sneak in there, make their way into the brackets. Yeah, it's going to be a rough matchup early against perhaps a team that has a more polished record, but I'm excited to see, you know, who could, you know, if Colorado School of Mines can continue this brand of football where they really haven't, you know, they really haven't like had shown any signs of struggle in the RMAC yet, really. They've handled their business and they've seemed like a team where 
if they have an advantage, they're not going to play with their food. They're not going to let their opponents back into the matchup. Let's see if that continues. Let's see if Black Hole stays uh, random, just causing havoc and creating turnovers and short field positions to create scores. And if they could keep that, if they could keep that, like, if they could keep that success up, because turnovers aren't always easy to come to. You can't just rely on getting those every game. So if they can rely on that brand of, of defense. I just want to see how that plays out. As for as it just leaves something for the bottom of the division, just to say something about that too. I'm just curious to see like how much of, of a gap is there really between Fort Lewis and the second best team in the RMAC, or vice versa, Chapman State and the second best team in the RMAC. I'm just curious to see if there is there really that much of a gap of Fort Lewis being worse than everyone else. I, I can tell you from what I saw, I, granted, I turned it on in the second half. I didn't watch the game initially, but from what my parents said, being there live and from what, what it looked like when I was watching, Fort Lewis is as bad as, as you would expect a team who hasn't won a game in over a thousand days. So oh, they are that best. Yeah. <laughs> just going to let that one sit there. Like I said, I'm not trying to be mean Fort Lewis. I'm just trying to be honest. And the honest truth right now is you haven't won in three years. And I, it's, I'm struggling. I mean, you and Shadron is going to be like the biggest pillow fight to see who's going to get their one win of the season and, and move forward. And then the other team is going to finish with nothing. Um, and it'll be rough, but I think that's going to do it for us here on this week's edition of the top of the mountain podcast. Remember, uh, check out our sponsors, Row One Brand at rowonebrand.com. Use code VSP15. You get 15% off any art gallery piece in the Clutch Sports. When you use code Variety Sports, you get 10% off your whole order. And then our new one, SeatGeek, when you use code VSN, you get $20 off your first purchase. So download the SeatGeek app, use promo code VSN, get your tickets, uh, follow at Variety underscore sports underscore, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the Far End of the Bench YouTube channel, uh, follow at FEOTV pod. Rev, you got any uh, stories brewing for Belly Up or or anything like that? Let the people know where they can find you. You can find my work at Rev Coca. Well, that's my Twitter, at Rev Coca. But also, you can search that name on Belly Up to just see what I'm up to. Um, as some of you may know, I'm also really big into MMA. So last week, I just briefly wrote something on the card that happened last weekend with Yan Nan and Mackenzie Dern just kind of briefly going over some of the highlights and also some fights I would like to see next from the opponents that fought on that card. But as for my future and as for what I'm looking to write in the future, I'm going to look to kind of talk about some Steelers material in this next stretch of really tough games. We got Buffalo, Miami, and Tampa Bay these next three weeks. So it's a rough stretch. So I'm just kind of going to talk about my expectations, what I want to see, because they're going to be hard fought games. I don't know how many of those games we're going to win if we win any of those games, but I'm just really want to see a feisty Steelers team and some progression with our rookie quarterback and Pickett. So kind of going to talk about, the Steelers there and also just the upcoming rough patch in our schedule. Is it true that Mark Zuckerberg rented out that arena for the last UFC event, or is that just a, a rumor going around? Um, at first it seemed like something that Dana White wanted to adamantly deny, but as the week went on and as the fight card went, when you see no journalists and no media members there, and it's Mark Zuckerberg and his wife running out the arena. It just seems like that was exactly what happened. At first, it was kind of 
it was kind of like putting, oh, we love you journalists so much and we just want to give you guys a break. But eventually, you know, promoters are known to lie and it turned out to be the case that Zuckerberg ran out the arena. Definitely, you know, it's definitely strange to see, you know, the UFC getting hand getting like hand in hand with Zuckerberg is not something I would have expected. Yeah, it's a little bit strange, a little bit out there. Um, <clears throat> that's going to do it for us for this week of the Top of the Mountain. Enjoy your football Saturday. Uh, have a safe week. We will see you all back here next week on the Top of the Mountain podcast. For myself, Jimmy Plato, my co-host, Rev Coca, thank you very much for listening. We will see you guys next time.